you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with host Jennifer Mattern, helping serious freelancers, bloggers, and indie authors go pro. Hello and welcome. I'm Jen Mattern, and you're listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. This is episode 28. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 28. Today I'm joined again by guest co-host Lori Widmer. Lori runs Words on the Page, which you can find at wordsonpageblog.com. Today she and I are going to talk about the importance of owned media and how it compares to earned media, paid media, and also rented media where we'll delve into the issue of guest posting versus writing content for your own blog when you're trying to get it off the ground. This is a follow-up from our last podcast episode together, and I will link you to that show in the show notes. Let's jump right in with our pre-recorded chat. Welcome back, Lori. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. We are following up on our last podcast together, where we chatted about Huffington Post. And during that podcast, we were not only talking about the problems with media outlets refusing to pay writers and how that's a broader problem for freelancers, but we briefly brought up the issue of owned media. And I think you had mentioned, you know, Ariana Huffington, people who are idolizing her, they want to write for her site. That, that's kind of what she did. She went out there, she built her own property. And that mm-hmm. writers can do that themselves. It doesn't have to be to the same scale, but you can build that property. You can see benefits. You can earn a significant amount of money and exposure. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to take that idea and run with it more, explain to you what owned media is versus other types of media, the benefits of it, and how you can get the most of it. So, Lori, let's start by talking about the three primary types of media, which are owned media, earned media, and paid media. Do you Mm -hmm. want to start with one of them and give them some insight? Yeah, paid media is going to be traditional advertising, television, radio, direct mail, that sort of thing. And that's what we typically consider to be paid media. And with earned media, that's more my wheelhouse. That's a PR kind of thing. And you'll hear about word of mouth marketing, which is really largely PR. That's when media coverage comes in, um, a newspaper might profile you or share your news. It's when somebody contacts you to interview you or somebody talks about you or your site. Well, basically what sets it apart is that you have no control over the actual messaging and it's not guaranteed to be good. So those are the two primary options other than owned, but owned Mm -hmm. is what we really want to talk about today. So these are the properties where you do have control and you are creating that content, which you'll also do for paid media, by the way. But in this case, you're not paying for placement. You're placing that content on properties that you, well, just as it sounds, you own. That includes your website, your blog, your email newsletter, eBooks, white papers, reports. If you create presentations or graphics, anything like that, that you have full control over. There's a sneaky little fourth type of media here that's kind of come into play more over the last decade or so, and that is rented media. That would be something like your social media profiles, Mm -hmm. where you have a certain amount of control, you're creating the profile, but you don't have 
complete control in that those social networks can change the rules on you, like Facebook did, where organic reach for businesses dropped significantly in recent years. Mm-hmm. And those social networks can disappear one day. A lot of businesses and bands and things back in the day focused on MySpace. Some people yeah. made a lot of money through MySpace. Mm-hmm. And then MySpace kind of went poof. Right. And you never know when that's going to happen. You might have it in your head, oh, this will be here forever. Nothing's forever online. It's just not. <laughs> so you can't count on that. You can't. And that's where the big difference is between owned and rented. You do right. have some control, but it could go away tomorrow. The rules could change. You could get banned or suspended for posting the wrong thing. It's not really yours. And another important differentiation is that you don't have full access to the analytics, as in knowing who's reaching you, where they're coming from, where they're going when they leave. And that's important. So Mm -hmm. that's not to say that rented or paid or earned media are bad. You can have an integrated media strategy. But what we want to focus on mostly here is owned, the examples I gave, your website, blog, et cetera, mm-hmm. and the benefits of that, why you should focus on that instead of specifically, let's be honest here, we're talking about guest posting again. Um, yes. We always seem to come back to guest posting. <laughs> <laughs> it never fails. There no. is so much bad information out there for writers and bloggers, and one of the more popular bits of advice these days is to not focus on your own blog content early on and instead just write guest posts for third-party sites because they already have a reach. And there are some real flaws with that strategy and we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, that choice that you have to make and that balance that you might want to seek, I want to move into the benefits of owned media in general to let you know why you should establish this presence, why you should build these Mm -hmm. particular outlets. So I'm going to give that over to Lori and see what she thinks the biggest benefits of own media are first. Yeah. Well, the biggest benefit is you, you're able to brand yourself. Obviously, corporations use their owned media websites, their campaigns, etc., to build a brand, and they own that brand because they can control it fully, as you mentioned earlier. And to me, that that is the biggest benefit is that you have control over your brand. And a good benefit for bloggers in particular, because I know you know this is kind of where we're going with this, mm-hmm. is that owned media is cheap. It's yep. easy and it's cheap to get started. You can set up a blog for a very small investment, even for free in some cases. I don't recommend free hosted blogs. Right. But because, again, you lose a certain amount of control over what kind of advertising you're allowed to have, what kind of plugins mm-hmm. and themes you can use. But even with web hosting and a free WordPress installation, even if you go with a premium theme or something in a domain name, you have a relatively small investment. So there's no good excuse in the sense of being cost prohibitive. And and it's easy, as you said. It's easy. It also helps you build a regular community or a presence in a niche. And again, you can get some of that with rented media, like your social media profiles, but you need that hub you know, your owned media, especially your website or your blog, if you're a blogger, is that hub. It's that central piece of your strategy that everything else revolves around and links back to. And, you know, as Lori pointed out, it's about branding. You know, (laughs) you want everything to revolve around something. And your owned media is that something. That's where you control your brand. That's where you control your messaging. 
it's where you reach an audience that already has an interest in you and they keep coming back or they've joined your community or they've subscribed. That's kind of the strength. It's the pillar that supports everything else. And the sooner you start building that, the better, because it's a long-term strategy. Exactly. And I, I think that's that's the problem I see the most of is that people are looking at short-term gain. And when they overlook the long-term, they make mistakes. And they can make mistakes that could absolutely decimate their their careers or their businesses. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it happens. Like I said, social networks they can disappear. So if you've mm-hmm. built, you know, think about small businesses who had their primary online presence on Facebook. Oh, yeah. What what happens if their account gets suspended? Or what exactly. happened to them when their reach dropped? You know, when organic reach dropped because they couldn't afford to pay to reach that audience when the rules changed. Mm-hmm. Things like that happen. There's a long history of things like this happening where you can't rely on third parties. It's like freelancers who rely on just one freelance marketplace mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the rules change or they start getting charged where they weren't before. Or another great example is freelance writers who focused on content mills where maybe they only worked for one of these companies. Those mm-hmm. companies had a long history of being sold, having their revenue schemes completely overhauled and disappearing. Yeah. And yeah. nobody wants to believe it's going to happen to them. But it did over and over and over again. About.com gets sold and things change. Suite 101 Mm -hmm. gets sold and things change. Some of the Mm -hmm. smaller networks disappeared. Even Demand Media, they went and changed some of their payment scheme. And a lot of the supply that they had, the content demands for these writers who were signed up suddenly started to dwindle when they got hit by Google. And you don't have control over that. With owned media, you have control. And that's important. You know, we're talking about the long-term versus short-term. What works today might be gone tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. again, think about marketing in general. For, well, for as long as I've been in business, we've been telling people not to rely exclusively on third parties for two things, your traffic and your revenue. So if you're a blogger and if you get the vast majority of your traffic from Google, what happens when that Google algorithm changes again? And it will. It exactly. Does or, someone, or someone out Googles you. You're going to see a revenue drop and there's going to be very little you can do about it, especially if you're looking like old news and they're looking like the new best thing. Same thing with revenue. If you rely on a single ad network, and again, we used to mm-hmm. say don't rely on just Google because people were relying on AdSense, which is their contextual ad network. And... All of a sudden, again, the rules change or their accounts get banned and, oops, they're screwed. And yep. you diversify. You know, freelancers know this. You diversify with clients. Other writers know this. You diversify with income streams. You might have your blog, your ebooks, clients. Mm-hmm. And the same thing applies here. If you're relying on all of your reach coming from these rented media sources like social media and they disappear, you're screwed. You need to diversify. Mm-hmm. And... I want to go back to other benefits here um, before we get too much into that integration between the different types of media, though. Um, Another one, again, me coming from that PR background, this is Mm -hmm. important. And own media, it is a great tool for thought leadership and demonstrating expertise. And Mm -hmm. I should clarify, because last week's episode, we talked about expertise and I want to make sure that we're clear here that I am not saying to use owned media to fake expertise or thinking (laughs) that it makes you an expert. 
but it is to demonstrate the expertise you actually already have. And you do that by building a content library, by publishing original research and opinion pieces and things along those lines. Owned exactly. media is the place to do that. And may I stress original content? It bothers me to see people putting up their websites and then relying on the backs of people who have actually done the work to create their image or their brand. What they've basically done is, is marketed themselves into some kind of pseudo expertise and that absolutely drives me crazy because yeah, they are not offering Yeah, they're not <laughs> offering any any kind of value to the reader. Exactly. And you know, we should clarify too, again, I know we're clarifying what we're clarifying, what we're clarifying, but <laughs> that there's also nothing wrong with bringing in experts. The point where right. you can't rely on them exclusively and get your authority from them. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm working on that three-month challenge for all indie writers. Mm -hmm. You can follow along on the blog. And that involves me launching a website in the indie horror niche where I'm launching that site not for fans but for creators, the indie filmmakers, the indie authors, indie game developers. And I do plan to have roundups and interviews and such when that site launches. But here's the difference. That's not about me building expertise on their name. Me interviewing an indie filmmaker, for example, in no way says that I would know how to make an indie horror film, um, mm -hmm. nor would I try to give advice on how to do that. That's ridiculous. Right. But what I'm doing is I'm taking that existing expertise, my background in marketing and public relations, and working with creative professionals specifically. That's what that site's focused on. So mm -hmm. it's, built around, it's built around my expertise. But what I'm doing is I'm reaching out to these third parties for supplemental stories for exactly. other perspectives. Things like that, yes, absolutely do it. You know, it helps you network. It does help you build your reach a little bit. Mm -hmm. But be very, very careful that when you're launching a newsletter or a blog or any other kind of own media, that you're not relying so heavily on third parties, as Laurie brought up, that all of your reputation comes from that association. That right. is a risk. It's something you need to be careful about. Right. And I think it's okay to introduce new ideas through other people. And as you said, it's an interview or a guest post, but it's not the majority of your content. It is just a small piece that you've added to enhance what you've already got. Because as you know, not all of us have the, all the answers. And if you're trying to bring answers to your readers, it helps to bring in people who are experts at what they do and who do know that one aspect you don't know or those 12 aspects you don't know to, to bring a new new perspective to things and, and to help somebody find an answer that you may be asking yourself. Exactly. And the key to that, though, is that you have to know what you don't know. Exactly. So... When you're in that position, you'll know who to bring in for what, why, and when. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a fine line. It's a bit of a pet peeve mm -hmm. for both of us. So <laughs> I think to add to that too, you you have to admit to what you don't know. And a lot of these pseudo experts think all they have to do is read about it once, and they're suddenly an expert. Or all they have to do is call up their their best contacts and say, "I need a guest post on this," and suddenly they're an expert. Uh, it's not true. It's 
it's going to take admitting that you don't know something. And it's okay to not know something. None of us know everything. Um, so I think we've pretty thoroughly gone over the basic benefits of owned media now. We've, you know, you've got the control. You have access to mm-hmm. analytics. It reinforces your brand. It's cheap. You can build a regular presence and community. Good for thought leadership. It's safe in the long term and that it's not just going to disappear and the rules don't change. Um, You control your timing and targeting and your messaging. You're reaching people who already have some interest in you. And you have that central hub then that all of your Mm -hmm. other marketing, PR, and content creation can revolve around. So that is why you should have an owned media strategy of some kind. And mm-hmm. I hope that at least something in there is important enough to you that you do this, that you don't solely rely on things like guest posting and social media for rented space. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, there is a time and a place to turn to these other types of media. So I want to briefly talk about that. And a good example is paid media, where you might purchase advertising, for example, mm-hmm. or you might pay on social media to promote your content. And A reason you might do that is to see an immediate result for a time-sensitive campaign. Now, I said that's a great example because it's really straightforward. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you need those results quick, yeah, you might have to pay if you want to do that. And that probably won't apply to most bloggers, however, unless you're releasing a product or something and you want that extra boost. But that's just to put in perspective that you don't want to ignore these things. They do have that time and place. Another example would be to amplify your own media. So for example, you might use social media to amplify the reach of those blog posts that you're putting on your own site. Mm-hmm. And that is a great example. That is probably something you'll do on a near daily basis as a blogger, or at least after every post you write, depending on what exactly. your frequency is. And another big example that, again, might apply to bloggers is that you're going to want to push for word-of-mouth coverage and benefit from that trust of earned media. For example, if the New York Times were to feature you as an expert and quote you, that matters a lot more mm-hmm. than you simply saying the same thing on your own blog. Exactly. So yeah. you want earned media, and that doesn't have to be a major media outlet. It could be people talking about you on social media, sharing your content. It matters to other people when they see these third parties recommending you and backing you with their reputation. So it is important to keep your eye on earned media, to do things to attract earned media. That does not mean you should be sending out press releases all the time, mm-hmm. you know, do, but do something that people care about. Give them a reason to talk about you. That is very, very important to your content strategy with any kind of an integrated media strategy, actually. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, part of my strategy is to put out the content that they will tweet or mention or follow. And I, I don't use Facebook for that necessarily because Facebook is my personal space, but Twitter and LinkedIn have become good places for me to interact with people who are sharing or talking about what I put out. Exactly. And it, do, it does. It starts with that owned media because mm-hmm. if you want people to talk about you, if you want that earned media, it really helps to have that solid base, that hub, the great content on your own site 
that gives somebody something to link back to. It gives them something to talk about. So, you know, that's another reason to make sure you have some emphasis on owned media. And, you know, owned media is not perfect. It's not. It's got its challenges. You're not going to see immediate results, especially when you're a new blogger. And I think that's what turns some people off and why they rush to guest posts. And we're going to get to guest posts in a second. We always Mm do. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's not about that immediate result when you're a brand-new blogger or even when you just post a brand-new post. It can take time to really see traction. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember that owned media, it's it's about the long game. It's not – that every piece is going to be a hit. It's that somewhere in this collective library of content that you're creating that you're going to hit the right notes with the right audiences. And you're going to have some hits. You're going to have some misses. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it might feel like a waste of time sometimes, but you have to stick with it because what you're doing now, a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, that those benefits, they're just going to oh, be yes. growing. You know, you think about it. I started All Indie Writers this fall. It will be 10 years. Well, I have a massive library of content. I have a couple thousand posts on that site. And what if I'd only focused on social media? You know, social media was a big deal with the kind of work I was doing then. I could have just focused on social media. What would I have now? I would have a whole lot of MySpace posts that are meaningless. (laughs) (laughs) I would have a whole lot of tweets and such that are buried in archives that no one's going to see. Mm -hmm. And instead, I have a searchable library of content. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but because I have that control over that content, I can update that content and I can supplement that content and I can keep driving more attention, more links, more traffic to that material. So I don't just have one, two, three posts working for me because I wrote them recently, I have 2,000 more, or I have a couple of thousand posts working for me Yeah, search engines, all those links that are now pointing to my site because of them, it adds up over time. So yeah, it is a challenge when you're starting out because those results aren't immediate. But just remember, it is a long game and the benefits, yeah, and- they add up. And you brought up a good point, too. When you own your own content, like you said, you have a lot of social media stuff that's that's probably dated by now. By owning your content, you can update it and you look current instead of looking dated. And, and you look more relevant to someone who's about to hire you. you. You can put your own stamp on it and then you can update that content and make it look as though you've evolved with that market. Exactly. And that's that's powerful stuff. It is. And it also helps because you think about it from the perspective of a a writer. Mm -hmm. You now have this huge library of material that you can work with as a base. You're not starting from scratch. You might be able to go back and look three, five years ago at the content you've written and say, okay, you know, this isn't getting the traction it used to get. And it, it is a little bit dated. So you can go back in, you can update that, and then you can republish that as new material I recommend that you mention when it was originally published. I don't believe in mm-hmm. just, you know, slapping a new date on it. Um, so now you have fresh content reaching new readers who maybe didn't follow you years ago. And you didn't have to invest the same amount of time into creating that content because you already had that base. Right. So you have that library to pull from where you can create roundups of your old content. You can revise that old content, update it. And that really simplifies 
the content creation process and allows you to get more out of everything you do over the years. Yeah, plus not only that, you can see what your audience has reacted to in the past. What did they like? What struck a chord with them that made them engage with you? And, and you can bring more of that to them and and you can continue to gauge exactly what it is they want from you that you can you can provide. Exactly. And that comes back to, you know, the whole owned versus rented media issue mm-hmm. where I mentioned that you have access to full analytics. And that is really, really important. Like you'll get some analytics with social media, for example, Twitter, mm-hmm. but it's not the same thing as having really thorough website analytics where you know where they're coming from, what they're clicking on. That stuff is important. And if you don't have and by having that information with your owned media, it allows you to better tailor that rented media and your paid media to what your audience wants. So you actually end up spending your money more wisely in paid media because now you have a real you have a solid grasp on what your audience reacts to. What can oh, absolutely, yeah, so absolutely, it, yeah, it pays off beyond that owned media itself. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, another yeah. complaint that we'll hear about owned media and oh, it's so hard to get started, I feel like it's a waste of time. Well, you're gonna have a smaller audience, and yeah, you know, that is a challenge you're gonna have to overcome. Again, it comes back to that long game, you build that up over time. And I know we live in an instant gratification society, and you're just mm-hmm. gonna have to get over it. Because that's not reality. You know, the rest of us who are getting this kind of traffic, we didn't get it overnight either. You work for it. And you may have a piece that's a hit every now and then that does bring in a lot of traffic, a -hmm. lot of eyes. And you're going to have some duds. But that consistency of that larger audience comes over time. You know, I still have blog posts that are a hit and I have blog posts Mm -hmm. that are complete duds that nobody cares about. But I can keep that relatively consistent, even with those hits and misses, because I have that time invested, that library Mm -hmm. built up. And again, that's just something you have to put the time into doing. Yeah. And, And I think part of that is understanding how to get the most out of it, which you know, that's just focusing on the content quality and be committed to what you're writing about. And and don't just say, oh, well, this will get the most Google hits. Yeah, well, you know, eventually people who are reading regularly figure out that you're just going for the traffic and and you're going to get a negative reaction from it. But uh, if, if you put the time into creating the quality and you expect this to be the long game, not the short term game, then you're going to see better results than you think you're going to see because everything at the beginning, as you said, is kind of hit and miss. But, you know, longevity, there's something to say for someone who's willing to put the time into it. They're going to see those results. So can we talk about guest posts now? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) This This is a bit of a... It's tough. It's not guest posts themselves aren't a pet peeve or an issue. It is a lot of the bad advice that comes around guest posts. And mm-hmm. if you read Lori's blog at words on pageblog.com, I actually did a guest post for her on guest posts of all things. <laughs> for guest writers. post 101. <laughs> yeah. That was back in May for Writers Worth Month. It was specifically on using guest posting to attract freelance clients. 
but you know you can see a lot of the frustration there from some of this bad advice and how writers often get them wrong and then they wonder why they're not getting the results they want exactly the same comes from people who are unfortunately told these days if you're a new blogger and you're launching your own site they say don't waste your time writing blog posts for your own site get out there and post guest posts instead on high traffic blogs and this goes back to last week's podcast a little bit too where people are given that advice told that it's going to make them an expert or it's going to give them authority (laughs) status and if you can handle my foul mouth go back and listen to that episode (laughs) (laughs) it's at alladywriters.com slash podcast slash 27 because it is a really important issue and it is a major problem in the blogging community and specifically in the freelance writing community among bloggers in that niche where People are using guest posts as a way to create the illusion of expertise and authority, mm-hmm. and it's that is such an asinine thing to do. And <laughs> it's not good for anybody. It's not good for the people no. that you're writing for because you're not qualified to give the advice you're giving. It makes you kind of look like an asshole because you know I think the way, <laughs> I, had, the way I had put it, I think was you know it doesn't make you an expert when you're out there as a newbie publishing on these high traffic sites with your guest content right all it really does is make you an overexposed amateur and that's a problem you might not think it's a problem now because you're getting traffic from it but Mm -hmm. what's going to happen five years from now when you know better and you realize that you were giving bullshit (sighs) advice and now not only does that exist but it exists on rented media which is somebody else's property where you only have limited control and you don't have the luxury of taking that down. You don't have the luxury of going back and fixing the bullshit that you were spewing. And you're potentially damaging your own reputation in the long run. If you take this approach of relying too Mm -hmm. heavily on third parties, rather than building that hub of owned media and maintaining a certain level of control. Now, so this advice that, you should just get out there and guest post, guest post, guest post, forget writing for your own blog because you don't have any traffic yet and they do. That's crazy. I understand it. I understand the logic behind it, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's wise. And but then you're missing an opportunity too. I mean, if, if the only content you have produced on a blog exists on someone else's blog, how are you going to gain traffic from that audience if you have nothing for them to come back to? You can't link exactly. to something that doesn't exist. Exactly. And that's great that you can link to your newsletter sign-up page or something to drive subscribers. That is fabulous. Right. But you want to have that public presence. You want to be able to drive sure. them to something because it's your content. It's your owned media that really emphasizes retention of that audience. Mm-hmm. And it builds that commitment and that community and keeps them coming back. And that is so important. You need to lay that foundation. So even if you only start by publishing a few posts, I usually recommend at least five when you launch a blog. I'm being bad. I'm only putting up three with my new one. Mm-hmm. So do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's because I'm I'm preparing a lot of other content and downloads and other right. resources. So that's not all that will be on the site. Now, so yeah, you want, you need it, but you need that foundation at some level. Exactly. You need yeah. to be able to send them back to something and not just your subscription page. 
Because when yeah. they show up at your subscription page, when they're at that landing page, what happens if they decide to look you up first and see what else you've done? Sure. see that you don't yeah. have any kind of presence of your own yet. Just have something. Don't neglect it. It's not, I'm not saying don't guest post. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. at all. I'm saying make sure you're not neglecting owned media. Because here's the thing. Yes, those other bloggers that you guest post for, they have more traffic than you do when you're getting started. They do. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to give you reach. But you didn't cultivate that following. You don't know that their audience is precisely the audience that you want to reach. Only a small segment of that audience might actually give a shit about what you have to say. Well, so yeah. don't assume that their total traffic, for starters, is going to be representative of what you get mm-hmm. out of it. Because you know what? A lot of guest posts, just like a lot of owned media, they flop. Even on yeah. big outlets, you know, I just did yeah. a guest post on a rather large site dealing with DR yeah, professionals, and I got plenty of shares and things, but I agreed to do that, and I didn't solicit that. They actually asked me, and mm-hmm. I did it because I happened to be relaunching Naked PR at the time, so it made sense from a timing perspective to put some fresh content out there on third-party sites to drive newsletter subscriptions, but you know what? It did fine for social media shares and such, but it didn't drive subscriptions. And you don't always know, no matter how well targeted it seems on the surface, you might not get what you're hoping to get out of it every time. It doesn't mean it didn't go over well. It might just not go over in the way that you're hoping. So Yeah, but you did it the right way. You did it the right way. You published a guest post on the right kind of blog. You you were very specific in what you looked for. And as you probably mentioned in the guest post 101 that was on my blog, that that is a big mistake writers make. They just, oh, I can guest post here. Well, yeah, but what kind of traffic, what kind of audience, what kind of uh, subject matter, and does what you have to say match with who's reading this? Yeah, it's not it's not even an issue of traffic in the sense of do they have enough you know because mm-hmm. i don't i don't want you to think that you should only target high traffic blogs no, no that no. is another crap piece of advice because mm-hmm. you know like i said you don't know exactly what portion of that audience that traffic is exactly. right for your site and right. you can be better off sometimes by going to a lower traffic site with a far better targeted audience to what you're mm-hmm. doing with your own media than you are by going to a high traffic site where maybe only 10 or 20% of those readers actually care enough to click through or subscribe or share your content. And so, yeah, you know, in my case, it was a very well-targeted post. It made sense in every way. But Mm -hmm. even that, even with that targeting, even with them being a decent traffic source, it still doesn't guarantee that you're going to get the kind of conversion to the kind of exposure that you're hoping to get. And like I said, you know, yeah. it did well on social media. I've made new connections and it was great. It was very, very, very worth it to do that post. And I don't do a lot of guest posts. I'm very selective yeah. and it yeah. doesn't mean that I only go with high traffic, but I'm very selective based on targeting, based on what is it that I can offer to this audience what is it going to do for me in terms of who is it going to connect me to? Whose mm-hmm. eyes am I going to have? That's all important. So yeah, you know, even if you have somewhere to drive them, even if you have that subscription page and everything else, it's not always enough. Even if you have the social media profiles to send them to, it's not always enough. 
Um, no. You know, I think I would have been better off, for example, had I not been in the pre-relaunch. You know, I'm relaunching Naked PR. So I do have the subscription sure. form up on the homepage right now to get people to sign up for notifications and such and blog posts when it relaunches. And yes, you can guest post during a launch period. That's not mm-hmm. a bad, it's not a bad idea to do that as long as you're not neglecting creating your own content. But I think I probably would have done better if I had waited until the site had launched and I had that content. Now, in my case, I already had a reputation through that site. Right. Some people already right. knew it because it had existed before. And right now I'm kind of, um, I'm pruning the archives, you could say, and deciding what fits the mission of the site mm-hmm. in its new incarnation. So right now, none of that is unfortunately available on that domain. but it's still, you know, it reached people who were aware of it, who were glad to see it come back and things like that. So it had benefits. But oh, yeah. I think yeah. if I had had that content up, it might have driven more conversions as far as subscriptions and followers. Yeah, timing is everything in most cases. Yeah. yeah. So we all, make, we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for years. Sure. And, you know, I, I still could have done that a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you know, guest post, it's such a big mm-hmm. thing in that you're told – only guest post, guest post, guest post, guest post. Don't create yeah, own media. It's not worth it. And that's so crazy. Which, yeah, and it's creating a situation where bloggers are getting requests for guest posts that don't fit at yeah. all with what they're – I mean, I got one last week. Somebody wanted to write an article, and I'm reading right from her email, three options for what to do with old screen windows and doors. Does that fit? Oh God, not even blog. close. <laughs> yeah, but it, it – brings home the point that writers have to be selective, not only for themselves, but for the bloggers. I mean, if you want to get accepted, it's like it's like with an editor. If you want to be accepted, you want your ideas accepted, you have to hit them with an idea that fits. Exactly. And it has to fit both of you, not in, in blogging terms, it has to fit both of you, not just you, not just them. Yeah, you need something to drive them back to because exactly. if you want those conversions, exactly. if you want to appeal to that audience on a broader Mm -hmm. level, if you want them to keep coming back and subscribe, you have to give them something other than your guest post. And that guest post isn't going to deliver forever. That's important to remember. You might get a boost initially, and it might fade into the archive. Or you might have a total hit, and it completely pays off for weeks or months or years. Um, Congratulations if you do, but don't count on that. You can't count on that every time. No. No, 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 because, you know, even myself, I've followed people who've had fantastic blog posts, and then a month from later, I'm thinking, who is this again? Because they didn't re-engage, and I didn't, I didn't follow up on my side, but I, I think in that case, it's the, it's the blogger's responsibility to find a way to engage that person. You know, you've, you've got to make some hay with it. And, and if you have an owned media site, if you own your own site, you're going to catch my attention and the attention of those people you want to if you're providing more information to enhance or augment what you've already put out there. You know, when you're talking about owned media, you have that ability to attract, inform, or entertain, depending on your niche, and then exactly. retain or convert. And Mm -hmm. you can do that all in one place. Now, what I suggest, you know, because owned media 
is something that I feel very, very strongly about, especially in comparison to guest posting and turning too much attention mm-hmm. to guest posting, where, again, it can be hit or miss just as much as owned media, but you have less control. So with owned media, you know, the argument is always, well, you don't already have the traffic, so therefore it's not worth as much of your time. Well, go ahead and put some of your best content on your site. Yeah, you should write fantastic content for your guest posts too. Of course you should. But put some of that best content on your own site early on. Exactly. And then turn your attention not towards reaching out and pitching guest posts, but turn your attention towards earned media for that owned media. And you could end up getting a similar reach as you would get from posting that on a third-party site in a rented space through a guest post. So, for example, create something that people would actually want to share and then get the hell out there on social media and promote it. Or that's a good case to interview someone where they might promote it for you just as much as they would have if it was a guest post on their own site. Right. You know, or consider paid media and purchase a space in an email newsletter or something to promote your new blog. You know, not, Mm -hmm. I know not all bloggers can do that. You don't have to do that. (laughs) I have never paid to promote a new blog in that sense. And you don't have to, but if you want that immediate result, then get the attention for your brand. And that's just one way to do it. You know, you're going to invest time one way or the other promoting because guest post hosts, expect you to go out and promote that content. They so do. get out there and promote the content, but promote your content first and foremost. Right. And right. use guest posts. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying don't guest post, but use those guest posts as a supplement. Don't go out there and think that it has to be your sole focus or even your primary focus. That mm-hmm. should supplement the owned media that you're creating. So my recommendation is, yeah, you know what, go ahead and use guest posts, but do it sparingly and do it selectively. Be extremely selective about where you go and understand that just because a site has a lot of traffic, it does not mean Mm -hmm. it is the best place for you to go. You might be better off going with a lower traffic site with better targeted traffic. You might be better off going with a site that's been around longer where you have more Stability and you have more of an assurance that this probably isn't going to change their standards, mm-hmm. for example. Um, a good example would be Peter Bowerman in the freelance writing community. He doesn't update right. his blog often, but it is a very well-respected blog in the freelance oh, writing yes, community. And he has high standards. And his readers, they don't just share things on social media. They really engage there with the content. So if that's the kind of thing you're looking for then that is the kind of blog that you want to be a guest on. Not necessarily those big writing blogs that are publishing fresh content, Mm -hmm. you know, two, three times a day where you're going to get buried in the archives and the vast majority of their readers probably don't care about precisely what you're talking about. So you have to think about value in terms of more than just traffic with guest posting. So yes, guest posts. I totally agree. Guest Mm -hmm. posts, but be selective and make sure that the guest posts you're writing in some way tie back to that owned media, to your newsletter, to your blog. Try to tie it to owned media. And and vet your the person whose blog you're you're wanting to show up on. Make sure that that person has the same type of audience, the same kind of 
uh, background that you're you're looking to promote. I mean, I wouldn't put a guest post up on someone's blog if they've been in the business two years. Yeah, I don't have that problem where in that I don't guest mm-hmm. post on blogs that are new. I don't mind guest posting on a newer blog. I don't mind supporting a newer blogger. You know, I had met a newer freelancer and mm-hmm. I like I liked her a lot. I was supporting her as best I could and she asked me to write a guest post for mm-hmm. a new blog of hers. And I said, you know what, to support her, yeah, I will do that. Even though this blog has no traffic yet, I don't care. It's about helping her out. For me, guest posting is as much about networking and trying to get good information in front of these newer writers as possible. All right, so I had written this guest post for her, and I was happy to do it. But the next thing I know, she transfers ownership to somebody else. Oh, no. And all of a sudden... You know, this person comes to me and asks me to write another guest post for the blog. He's like, I just published a guest post a couple of weeks ago on this mm-hmm. blog, so I politely declined. Um, but then I kept an eye on the site to see what happened. And, oh, my God, it's some of the worst advice I've ever seen for other freelancers. Really? And wow. other guest posts that were being brought in, they brought in somebody to talk about PR writing. And I have never seen such terrible advice on that topic oh my Um, gosh it was just it was absurd this person clearly had no idea what they were talking about and here they're teaching people to do this as a freelance specialty and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about (laughs) and then I kept an eye on other content and I'm seeing quote-unquote expert roundups that are featuring relatively beginners instead of actual experts because they haven't been around long enough to actually meet the expert (laughs) and yeah. And all I'm thinking is, oh, my God, like, I'm actually embarrassed to have a guest post with my name on it on right? the site around this other content. It is, I think so, too. Yeah, I know. You know what site it is. <laughs> yeah, because I, I had a guest post there, and when I saw things happening that didn't make sense, I mentioned it to the site owner, mm-hmm. who luckily for me removed my post because yeah. whoever, you know, the person in, involved or in charge of the site actually took offense at my giving some advice. And I was actually thrilled uh, because yeah. then my name was no longer connected with a site that has questionable practices. Oh, maybe I should go tell them to take mine down. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hurt. <laughs> Could right. not hurt. It's just, um, yeah, but it's really, it's tough, and that's a risky take with guest posting mm-hmm. because you don't have control. And what seems like a quality site right now, you never know what's going to happen. Um, exactly. It could transfer yeah. to another owner, or, again, it's just like a social network where things could change. With guest posting, you don't know who's going to own that site a week from now, a year from now, five years from now, and you don't know if they're going to be willing to remove your content if you ask them to, and Mm -hmm. you don't know if their standards are going to improve or stay the same or decline, and in that case, it severely declined, and I don't just mean the small blog we're talking about. I'm talking about the big blog, the really very, very popular blog. I have to admit, though, I'm much more skeptical about it being worth my time to support those new bloggers after that experience. Well, I have to, that's where it's coming from for me, is that I was burned. And I I really don't want to stick my hand back in that flame, you know? I'm much more likely at this point to take part in a roundup where they ask for a quote or to do an interview Mm -hmm. if they ask. 
But to create, you know, when I do a guest post, I try to go above and beyond. Uh, It doesn't always mean I'm going to create, you know, an infographic type thing for you. But, you know, in your case, it was a much longer post than I normally would have done. And I think I did an audio version. Yeah, you you. did. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a bonus. Yeah. So I try to do little things like that if I can. Mm Mm-hmm. So for me, it's about, you know, those guest posts, they're real commitments. You know, again, yes, that's they why, are. That's why yes, I'm selective. That's why I'm very, yeah. very selective. Um, because it's not just about getting content where you can stick your little bio box up there. It has to be worth it to those readers or listeners or whoever is on that other person's blog. But and yeah. it has to be respectful to the blog owner, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it has to relate to their mission. And, yeah. and what they want to present to their audience. So just to reinforce here what we're saying about guest posts, is guest posts are not a bad thing, but they are an abused no. tool. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to take part in that abuse. You don't want to overdo it. You don't want to commit to things that you don't have any control over in the future. Um, you could get burned or, you know what, it could work out really well for you. But so could owned media and putting that same quality of content on your own site and using it to convert and retain those visitors. And my thought is that, yes, use guest posts, but use them sparingly and very selectively, mm-hmm. and put more of your attention towards owned media because you need that foundation. And the sooner you start building that foundation, the sooner it amasses and works for you, works in your favor, and that time that you would have otherwise spent doing extra little things for that guest post to make it stand out, or that time that you would have spent promoting somebody else's property to promote that guest post, put that time into promoting your property and focus on that integration between your owned media and earned media by getting the social media mentions, by making media contacts and other content, even bloggers, you know, even if you're not guest posting for them, Get to know Mm -hmm. those bloggers in your niche or your specialty area. And they might share your content anyway, even if it's not on their blog. So it's not a guarantee that you're going to get more traffic from a guest post all the time. Can you? Yeah, absolutely. But again, be selective. But you can put your attention towards getting similar traffic for your own site. You just have to focus on that integration. It's so important that you not limit yourself to a single channel and don't neglect owned media. And it's not hard to do. It no. is it is just putting a little bit more effort into planning it out a little better. Exactly. And you know, you do have another option that I kind of forgot to mention earlier when it comes to rented media in addition to your you know, simply your social media updates mm-hmm. and guest posting is publishing on social media. And I don't mean your profile or your updates, but think about, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook right now, you can publish your long form content. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you'll see a lot of the similar benefits of guest posting in the sense that you have that broader reach, you might have an established network already, but you have more control over it. And that, if you're just starting out and you're not sure, you know, how to be selective enough with guest posting yet, that might be a place to start because you'll at least see how people on those networks react to your content. You might get ideas then 
for content that will convert really well as a guest post. So you'll pitch the right. best ideas while you're being mm-hmm. selective and guest posting. So that's another option to consider as far as rented media. But again, you need to find that balance with integrated media strategy and owned media should be a very important part of that. So what I want to do now to close out this show is talk about how to get the most out of owned media. So you're not simply posting random updates. You're not just sharing news or dry content. When I say dry content, what I mean is not having a personality, not having a unique voice. And to get the most out of owned media, if you want to get those loyal followers, if you want to convert them into subscribers, you need to have your own voice. You can't just parrot things that are being said by other people. You can't just publish things that are already available. You need to give people something new. And another option, and again, this comes from that PR background, and it is so neglected in the blogging community, is do something to make yourself newsworthy. Do something big. Have big ideas. Actually do something different. Work for some sort of a change. Do something that the media are going to care about. And earned media can absolutely blow paid media and rented media away. But Mm -hmm. you have to do something big. You have to be different. You have to be worth that earned media. And if you do that, if you put your attention towards that, you know, you don't need to follow this exhaustive guest posting strategy to get your name out there. And you're not just another blogger anymore. You become a source in your own right. And that's what you should be aiming for. Stand out. Be different. And if you're doing that right, you'll get the earned media. You will. But, yeah, do something newsworthy right from the start. Don't wait. You know, don't wait until you have this huge content library. Don't wait until you have 10, 20 guest posts out there. Don't wait until you have a certain number of followers on social media. Do something that matters. And that is where so many go wrong. They don't do anything to set themselves apart. They just do the same old thing over and over again. They write. I can pretty much tell you what, when somebody writes a guest post, it's a newish mm-hmm. blogger. I can pretty much, you know, tell that this is a new blogger at this point because they follow such a strict formula. And yes, you'll see it, it's littered with statistics and links, usually to shoddy sources. And it's all about trying to get such and such a blogger to realize, oh, I linked to them. Maybe they'll link back to me. And <laughs> it's just so obvious now. Like, it's not, that's not good content. That content no, doesn't make not. you an authority. That content just shows that you're a newbie, that you don't know what you're doing yet, and that you don't have anything of your own to say. Even from the start, you should have something to say. Oh, absolutely. The sooner you do that, the sooner you build it around your personality, your brand, your voice, and actually do something that matters. You know, the more earned media you're going to get, the more attention you're going to get. And then you can scale back the paid media or the rented media and your owned media and earned media, those babies, they work together so well when you're actually out there <laughs> yeah, doing do. something. Yeah. So make those your primary focus as a blogger, especially if you don't want to spend money on it. 
then yeah, that's where your attention should be. Owned media and earned media and let rented media like social media and guest posts not only be a supplement, but be a tool for amplifying that owned media. That is the real role of rented media, the best thing you can do with it. But you need to find that balance and don't rely too heavily on those third parties. Agreed. (laughs) Do you have any other tips for them on getting the most out of owned media as they are building their initial content library? Yeah, I, I think focus on the message you want to send. Focus on the things that are important to you now. And don't be afraid to put out a blog that shows that you're starting out. It's okay. It's okay to start at point A and then grow. As you as your experience grows, your blog is, experience is going to grow as well. I, I think a lot of writers or bloggers of any sort think that they have to start out being instant experts. And that's not true. It's okay to show the struggle and it's okay to ask the questions and post the posts that get people saying, no, you're, you're not right on this because you're going to learn from that, but also you're going to grow from it. And, and I think starting out with the idea that you have to be the expert is basically going to sink you before you get going. All right. So to rehash quickly, you know, look, own media is a vital part of any content strategy. So please just, just don't neglect it in favor of rented outlets. Because if you neglect it now, you will regret it later. I would agree with everything you said. I, I think uh, a well-balanced strategy is the smart approach to this. Uh, just relying on one one form of media, it, it's shooting yourself in the foot. And there you have it, folks. So I think that's all we have for you today. I want to say thank you to Lori for coming by again to do this follow-up discussion. Well, and thank you. You can check back next week when I will go back to the community question series. And the week following that, I will have the inimitable Princess Jones back on the show. That's always fun. We will be talking then about oversharing personal information. Do you want me to tackle something specific in a future episode? If so, you can submit your writing-related questions through the contact form at allwindywriters.com slash podcast by emailing me at jen, that's J-E-N-N, at allindiewriters.com, or by leaving me a voicemail at 484-575-1345. You can find show notes and related links for this episode at allindiewriters.com slash podcast slash 28. You can also access this podcast, audio blog posts, and related audio productions by visiting freelancetheater.com. You've been listening to the All Indie Writers Podcast with Jen Mattern, a freelance theater production. Freelance theater. It's all writers need for life's little episodes.